0: You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Hey, good morning, everybody. It is good to see you here. I'm glad you're here today to worship with us. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to take them and turn with me to Luke chapter 16. We're continuing a series we began just a couple of weeks ago. And while you're turning, I just wanted to share with you some just unbelievable news Um Uh, A few, a couple weeks ago, at revival on Wednesday night, Um, we were privileged and honored to have uh, Pastor Tommy Barnett, who is just a a stalwart in the faith. He is a um, what I call um, one of the giants, the generals in the faith. Um, 86 years old, brought the gospel to us that night, um, but has been a successful pastor for so many years. And through he and his son, planted. Years ago, 35 years ago, the LA Dream Center, um, and there have been many Dream Centers that have been opened up since then, but it is sort of the, the hallmark, uh, the bedrock one, and uh, they minister to hundreds of people that they house every single week, They feed thousands upon thousands upon thousands. They help rehabilitate uh, prisoners. Uh, They actually have a cooperation with the local authorities there that if they're not serious offenders, they would rather send them there because the rate of recidivism or going back into jail is so much lower when they get part of the L.A. Dream Center. They just do remarkable work. And so I asked him that night, um, I told him that we would take up an offering for him. And I said, we haven't haven't taken up an offering at any revival services because we budget for revival through your normal giving. And I said, but we wanna do this for for this Dream Center. And uh, so he shared that night and he said, um, shared a lot of needs and he said, he said, um, you know, I don't know what God's putting on your heart. He said, about $70,000 will do it. He said, I know that's way out there. And he said, but you could do this, you could do this. Um, And this coming week, we're gonna send him another check that it's gonna be almost $75,000 that you folks gave (laughs) to make a difference in people's lives. I told you he's like, he's, he's like a general in the faith. And so yesterday um, I received a phone call and I looked down and it said no caller ID. Well, guess what happened? I don't answer no caller ID, right? Right. Turns out that was Tommy Barnett. Probably should start answering those no caller IDs from now on. He left a two minute message stating um, that he was just blown away by this church, by you, your spirit of excellence, your spirit of worship. But he also said in 35 years of traveling and raising money for the Dream Center and even the largest churches in America. This is the largest offering he had ever received in one night from anywhere. And I want to say thank you. And more than thank you, can we just give God glory for his provision? Amen. Amen. It's wonderful to be a part of God's kingdom work outside of us and see what God is doing and just partnering with those things. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faith and thank you for your giving. So today, uh, here's what I want you to do. We're, We're continuing a series called Why God? So I need you to look at your neighbor and say, Pastor Kirk loves you, okay? Can you do that? Because today's subject is why would a good God send people to hell? It's a question that, most, that a lot of people ask. Why would a good God send people to hell? Is it reality? Jesus tells a parable, a story, a comparison about heaven and the end of the age in Luke chapter 16. And starting in verse 19, it says, Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. You need to know... Purple is in those days, uh, um, it it is a color associated with either royalty or importance. And fine linen is an indication of the luxurious lifestyle that this man lived in. So he's important. And it says, at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Notice it's not at the city gates, it's at his gates, at this man's gate. This is his property, his place. And as Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. And there in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. And the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us and no one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. And the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. And Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Moses and the prophets are all the scriptures that they have, what we call the Old Testament. He's saying, they have the Bible, they have the scriptures. They've warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. But the rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Let's pray. Father, a heavy subject is before us today. It's not heavy because it's unloving. It's heavy a lot of times because we don't want to talk about it. So I pray today that you would open our hearts so that your word could speak to us. These people don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. So speak, Lord. I pray that you would anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth, anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so you may accomplish your perfect will. And we will be careful to give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. A recent Harris poll said that 89% of Americans believe in heaven. Only 73% believe in hell, but that figure is a little misleading because If you were to say hell is an actual place and not symbolic, it's an actual place. Only 31% of Americans actually believe that hell is an actual place. Most Americans believe that Satan is not a real entity, but he's symbolic of evil. Only 27% of Americans strongly believe that Satan is an actual entity. That is warring against us. There are so many people who want to disregard the subject of hell. And you have to understand, I take no pleasure in talking about it. But if God talks about it, we have to talk about it. If the Bible writes about it and speaks of it, if Jesus spoke of it, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about the reality. And I know there are so-called intellectuals who will say that hell doesn't exist. There are people who believe that all roads lead to heaven. There are people that believe that there'll be no suffering. It's just gonna be annihilation. You'll just cease to exist. But all of that is contrary to scripture. And either scripture guides us or it doesn't. Hell is a reality just as much as heaven is a reality. About 20, 25 years ago, um, the, the leader of Libya Muammar Gaddafi um, he was furious with Britain he was furious with England because they closed down their embassy their Libyan embassy and he was so mad at them that he, he ordered the people in Libya he made an order he's a dictator he made an order that all maps remove England from them that they had to take off England off all the maps now I don't know whether they did this or not but do you understand how ridiculous that sounds We'll just take it off the map. And if we take it off the map, it doesn't exist anymore, right? It's ludicrous. That's insane to say, if I don't look at it, if I avoid it, it doesn't exist anymore. Just because they take it off a map doesn't mean England ceases to exist. Just because you disregard it, just because you don't like it, doesn't mean that hell doesn't exist. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. There's a reason for that. Because he's warning us. You can deny the reality of hell all you want to. You can try to argue. You can try to justify all of your ways. But hell is real. And if there is no hell, then the Bible is full of errors and blunders. And either the Bible is true or it's not true. It's not true in the areas you like and it's not true in the areas you don't like. Thomas Jefferson was very famous about he would cut out the sections of the New Testament that he did not like. Literally cut them out and only read the parts that he did. I'm afraid that's the way a lot of people are treating scriptures today. They read the parts they like, they avoid the parts they don't like and act like they don't exist. Is the topic of hell uncomfortable? Yes. Is it in the Bible? Yes. Does it need to be discussed? Yes. So what is hell according to Scripture? According to Scripture, there's a couple of things. Number one, it's separation from God. Hell is separation from God. Verses 25 and 26 where Jesus is telling this parable, talking about the end of time, talking about how things are going to play out at the end of the age. It says, Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing So now he is being comforted here and you're in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Hell is separation from God eternally. Now we have been separated from God because of our sin, but God has made a way of reconciliation through Jesus Christ and the price that he paid for our sins. But once you get to the end of the age... Once you get to the end of time, it is separation from God, and it is not just a temporary thing. It's not a momentary thing. It is an eternal thing at that moment. Separation from God. You know, the Scripture says that in God, in him we live and we move and we have our being. We are completely, totally dependent upon God. You are not a self-made man or a self-made woman. You are dependent upon God. And he has created you for a relationship with him. But hell is a separation from God eternally. The second thing it is, it's eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. Notice what he says in the scripture. He says that the man is in anguish and Abraham speaking to him on behalf of God says, that's why you're in anguish right now. What type of anguish is there? There's emotional anguish. Do you know that Jesus uses the word hell 11 times in the New Testament? He refers to it more than that. He refers to judgment more than that. But he actually uses the word hell 11 times in Scripture. And he uses the word Gehenna, which means the Valley of Hinnom, which is at the bottom of the mountain that Jerusalem sits on. It's the place in the Old Testament where people would bring their children. They would butcher their children, murder them, and burn them as a sacrifice to pagan gods. It was a desolate place. No one wanted to be a part of it. Many scholars believe that in Jesus' day, it was a place where people would throw their trash and anything that was of no value to them anymore, worthless, and it was continually smoldering with fire. That's why Jesus would refer to that. It's a visual image, a word picture of what it feels like. He says, that's what hell is going to be like. It's where everything that is worthless is an eternal punishment. The emotional anguish is this. You were built to have worth in Jesus Christ. But in and of myself, in and of yourself, there's nothing of value or worth except God declares you to be valuable. But if you turn your back on God, you declare that what he says is worthy or full of worth has no value anymore. And think about this. When Jesus talks about hell, He talks about a place where people will exist at the end of time when the judgment comes where no more are they considered worthy of anything. They are completely isolated from God in emotional anguish knowing that the value and the worth they were created for is no more and will never be. It's also physical anguish it's just not just about a place of darkness. It's not just about a place of separation. No, Jesus is very clear about that. As a matter of fact, in this parable itself, when he tells the story in verse 24, it says, the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. In other parables that talks about the judgment, Jesus talks about weeping. Gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth is when you grit your teeth and you just can't even formulate words. Have you ever been you ever been so angry? Have you ever been so frustrated with yourself? You just go, ah. Gnashing of teeth is where you understand the decisions you've made and the pain that you are going through. And it feels unbearable. And if you're here this morning, you say, This is making me very uncomfortable, Pastor. We're not going to be like Jefferson. We're not just going to cut out the things we don't like. It's reality. Then there's relational anguish. There is no community in hell. I've listened to people over my life before I was ever saved, before I went into ministry, and they want to justify themselves or they just want to brush it off and they'll say, it's okay, that's all right. I'll go to hell and I'll just party with all my friends. No, you won't. Hell may be filled with people, but you will be totally alone. Totally alone. And you know what's the worst to me? In the book of Revelation, it tells us that for believers, those who have given their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ, those who have yielded their lives to him, that God will wipe away every tear from their eye and there'll be no more pain and no more sorrow. All of it. But listen, the reality is going to hit people when they find themselves in hell is this. Do you know, that, do you know the, the pain that you feel right now if you're a believer for those in your life that don't know Jesus as Lord and you 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 worry about them, you fret about them, you pray for them. There's coming a day when all of those things are wiped from your eyes, which means, what if the memory of all of those that brought you pain because of the decisions they've made is no more? And those in hell are never more to be remembered by those who loved them and prayed for them. A complete separation. A complete loss. And then there's the spiritual anguish. Several parables that Jesus talks about, the parables of the sheep and the goats where God separates the good from the bad. The parable of the dragnet where he separates the good fish from the bad fish and one is given reward and one is given punishment in that. It's a separation at the end of the age. It is the reality that the age and the time of grace will have ended and there's no more chances. You know, when Jesus came and declared that his ministry was beginning in Luke chapter 4, and he stands up in the sanctuary and he reads from Isaiah 61, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach good news. And he keeps going in that chapter 61. And he says, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and that prisoners will be freed. And he sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he ushers in God's grace at that moment. And he goes to the cross And provides that grace. But there's a portion of that scripture he intentionally leaves off. Because there's a time when grace will end. And judgment will happen. The very next part of the sentence after he says, He wants me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger and vengeance against their enemies. Just because grace has been ushered in doesn't mean that there isn't a time coming where God's going to judge both the righteous and the unrighteous. So the question is, would a good God send people to hell? A couple of things. When you say it like that, you're saying, if God is really good, would he do something like that? You know, there was a man that came to Jesus and he said, good teacher, tell me what I need to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? There is no one good but God. The tendency that we have is we want to judge God by our standards of goodness. And you don't get to define good. I don't get to define good. Only the maker of heaven and earth defines what is good and what is not. You see, coupled, just like the passage, coupled with grace is righteousness. Coupled with love is truth. And there's justice. You see, the Bible is very, very clear that God is a holy God. And that there will be people in hell because to stand in the presence of a holy God means that holiness must be present in his people. Now, here's the thing. You aren't holy by yourself. You can't, you can't be good enough to stand in God's presence. But the Bible tells us, Hebrews 12, 14, that without holiness, no one will see God. So how do we stand before God? Because the holiness of Jesus is given to us when we yield our lives to Jesus and his lordship. His holiness is imparted unto us so that we can stand in the presence of God. It's Jesus' holiness and righteousness that is imparted unto us. Not because of any good thing that we've done, but because our faith in him and the work that he has done. But make no mistake, unholiness will not stand in the presence of God. It cannot In this earthly life, the Bible tells us in this passage that the rich man lived away from God. There were things he knew to do. This man was at his gate. The Bible instructed when there were folks around him that God's heart, that your heart would be filled with compassion if you're full of God's love and they would do something about it. That this man enjoyed all the things and never paid any attention to the things of God. This poor man depended on God for everything in this. And so... The rich man lived for the world and lived for his own pleasure, and the poor man lived with God and his dependence upon God. And here's what God says I'll, If you want to live that way in this life, you'll live that way in eternity. If you live away from me in this life, you'll live away from me in eternity. If you live depending on me in this life, you will live with me in eternity. God's holiness demands it. Here's the thing, and we read it earlier. Pastor Brett even talked about Solomon talking about all of God's promises being true to us. And we, we, they are. And you and I can attest to God's promises being true. But here, we only like to apply that when his promises are for the things that we want. That's when we use that passage. But God's promises are true that the righteous will be avenged one day, that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, not for you to do, but God is going to take his vengeance. God is going to pour out his righteousness. God is going to pour out this justice. The things that you always pray about, Lord, how long is injustice going to take place in this world? How long are you going to allow evil to exist in this world? All of those things are going to happen because God's righteousness and his justice are just as big a promises as his grace and his mercy. And one without the other, is simply not the full picture of who God is and who God tells us he is. God is faithful to all of his promises. You can't pick and choose which promises you want God to be faithful to because his promises are based on his character, not our wants and our needs. The second thing I need you to understand is this, is that God's holiness is required. This holiness that's required to stand in the presence of God, only given through Jesus the second thing is this is we have a choice we have a choice you get to choose just one of the passages uh, the scripture tells us that god is willing that none should perish but all come to repentance god's desire is that none would perish but all come to repentance In verses 29 and 31, it says, But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. And the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. And Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. What he's saying is this. Listen, God has told you through his word. God will tell you through the miraculous of what Jesus has done for us. But at some point, you have to yield your life. Life to the promises of God and the truth of God, that God is on his throne and that we are sick and sinners in and of ourselves, but God has provided a way through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, God, God doesn't want... Hell wasn't even created for you and me. It was created for the devil and the demonic angels that followed him. But your choice chooses where you spend eternity. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would never perish but have eternal life. That God, at the beginning of time, before he ever created this world, before he ever created mankind, the Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice slain from the foundation of the world, that God knew what was going to happen and God provided a way from the very beginning. But he was never going to force it on us. It's always been about, and all who would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus came to this earth, was born as a baby, lived as a human being, understanding all the things that we go through, anointed by the Holy Spirit, did not cease to be the Son of God while he was here, lived a perfect life that you were incapable of living, I was incapable of living, Went to the cross and paid a price for sin because the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no payment or remission of sin, and God demands it. So, God provided it through His own Son on a cross. That Jesus was buried in a tomb and that He rose to new life three days later so that you could have new life too. You have a choice. Does a good God really send people to hell? No, but there are people who choose to go there because it wasn't created for us. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 says, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living out the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. All of us are in need of a Savior. And if we confess our sins to the Lord, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Holiness is required to stand in the presence of God, to spend eternity with God, and Jesus provides holiness for us. You have a choice, I have a choice. Hell is real. but we do not have to go there. When I was a young pastor, there was an elderly pastor in the state where I was serving in Mississippi. And he underwent a bout of cancer where it was very dicey as to whether he would survive or not. And when he came through, he was filled with such gratitude, such thanksgiving. And I just, I I was talking to him and he was just, overjoyed, and I I don't know why, but as a young pastor, I'm talking to a man that was seasoned, and I said, "Is, is there anything that you learned that God teach you anything? He said, yeah, there's a lot of things you have to do as a pastor. There's a lot of things you have to navigate through. He said, let me tell you what's important. He said, heaven is real, hell is hot, but you don't have to go there. There's a lot of things you can focus your life on. The only thing Jesus focused his life on was providing a way for you and for me. You have a choice. Hell is real, but you don't have to be a part of that. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. And the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in the fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise some people think. He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed but all to come to repent. Think about that. How many times have you thought in your head, how long, oh Lord? How long is it going to be before you come again? How long, Lord, are you going to let injustice happen in this world? How long is evil going to exist here? Lord, why don't you do something about it right now? The Bible is very clear. God knows your choices, but gives you the ability to choose. And he knows. Think about this. God is not slow in his promise, as some people think. But he's being patient for your sake. God could send Jesus right now. God could eradicate all evil right now. All injustice right now. All sinners right now. But God is being patient for your sake. I don't think you're getting it. If you came in this room this morning and you know things aren't right between you and the Lord, or you're watching online and you know that, do you understand the gravity of what that passage says? That heaven and the second coming is being delayed because God doesn't want you to miss out on it. Do you understand how valuable you are to the Lord? When God is not slow about keeping his promise, but he's being patient for your sake, wanting none to be destroyed, his desire is for you to repent. But he goes on to say, but understand this, that day will come. That's why Romans 10 and 9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, it ought to change everything in your life. A few years ago, I was, I saw an, it wasn't even an interview. It was a, it, it was kind of like a video log. It, it was um, uh, on, posted on YouTube. It was by part, half of the group Penn and Teller, um, who's the magician group and uh, that uh, was residenced out of Las Vegas for a long time. And as he's giving this, he makes it very clear right up front. He said, I need you to know I'm an atheist. He said, I I got a story to tell you. I'm still an atheist, but I need you to hear this. He tells a story about at the end of one of the shows, there was a man standing there, and he came up and was wanting to get an autograph. And when he came up to get an autograph, he came up and gave him a Bible, a little small Bible. He said, I looked at it and went, 'You, you know I'm an atheist, right? He said, I know. He said, I just thought maybe you'd want it. He said, he just shared with me very quickly that if he had an opportunity, he just said, I just want to give you this because I believe it'll change your life. Now, Penn said, I'm still an atheist. He said, but that guy was so real and so genuine, truly believing what he believed. And then he's ruminating. And he says, what I don't understand is if people say they believe and they don't do what this guy does. He said, if I'm standing in the middle of the road and a bus is coming towards me, he said, how bad do you have to not like me to tell me to get out of the way? He said, if hell is real, heaven is real, how bad do you have to not like someone to not tell them? It's why in John fourteen six. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know how many people get offended at that? Oh, that's exclusionary. What if it's directional? What if Jesus loves you enough to say all roads don't lead to God? That road over there might look right, but it's not going to lead you to God. That road may feel right, that's not going to lead you to God. There is one way to God and it is through Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. And if it feels exclusionary, fine. But Jesus loves you too much not to tell you the truth. That with him you can have eternal life, without him you cannot. Can I just tell you, if Christ died for your sins and rose to new life and right now is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you, why would you not take him at his word? Be forgiven of your sins and be led by the one who truly cares for you. The one who said, no greater love has anyone than he laid down his life for his friend. That's Jesus. At the end of the day, it really is simple. Heaven is real, hell is hot. You don't have to go there. And right now, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes in this place? If I could beg you, I would. If I could exhort you and implore you, I would. Some of you stand. You stand on the cusp of eternity. And your decision today will change the rest of your life now and your eternity forever. And if you came into this place and you know things weren't right between you and the Lord, I'm gonna ask you just to pray something like this in your heart Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you came to this earth, that you died for my sins, that you went to the grave for my punishment, and you rose to new life so that I can have new life too. Forgive me of the way I've lived, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from unrighteousness and put your holiness and righteousness on my life. I yield now to your lordship. Lead me through your word and through your spirit and I will never be the same. I'm gonna ask everyone in the room, those at home, pray this prayer of profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. life. Come on, one more time boldly. "Jesus, Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your head still bowed, eyes still closed, i not here to embarrass you. I want to pray for you this week. But if you know when you came in this place, things weren't right between you and the Lord, and you made a decision to follow Jesus today for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you simply raise your hand, keep it up really high. God bless you. You're not alone. Keep it up just a moment, please. Amen. Amen. Just keep it up really high. Just a moment, please. Amen. All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you now for the sacrifice that Jesus made. We thank you that you cared enough about us to tell us about the reality of hell. We're provided a way. We don't have to go there. But instead, we can live forever in your presence. And that begins now. Thank you for those who made that decision today. Thank you for those who walked out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you for those who gave their sin to you in order to get your righteousness for them. Thank you that the weight of their sin has been lifted off of their shoulders. And thank you that joy unspeakable now rests in their heart. I pray, Lord, that you would guide them every step of the way. And Lord, as you celebrate in heaven, we celebrate here the lives that have been changed, the eternity that has been changed, and we thank you. Hell is a little bit smaller today and heaven's a little bit bigger because of Jesus. And Lord, for all of us, all of us that have made a decision, whether it was today or before today, thank you that the reality that is hell is not in our future but the reality that as paradise is in our future because of Jesus Christ. And we thank you today that we will celebrate from this day and for all of eternity in the presence of the Lord. Amen and amen. Hey, can you give the Lord praise for eight people that gave their hearts to Jesus today? Amen. Amen. Listen, if you made that decision today or in the last few weeks, we'd love to help you get started on this walk with Jesus. Uh, Some of our grow team members will be down front at the end of service when we dismiss. Uh, Come to them. One of our ministry team may approach you and just um, uh, talk to you about it. Or you can go out to our connection point out in the atrium, um, and they can talk to you about it as well. We'd love to help you get started on this. Also, if you want to know more about getting involved here, plugged in at Mount Bear North. There's a card in front of you or there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. You can scan that, uh, fill out the connect card uh, and take it to the connection point out in the atrium. We'd love to help you discover your spiritual gifts, some of your passions and get you plugged in wherever you can in growing in the Lord in a class or a life group or in utilizing that by serving the Lord with your gifts. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me, please. Thank you so much for being here today. Can't wait to see you next week as well. Allow me the privilege before you go to bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. Love you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.